This is To The Point with Marcus Anna, where we cut through all the noise to discuss the things driving the world of automotive sales and service. Let's get to it. Powered by Rocket. The 2022 Los Angeles Auto Show, which opened to the public November 18th, is a clear indication that even though we've become more accustomed to experiencing just about everything virtually, there's still something special about being able to see a new vehicle in the flesh. Sure, today's auto shows certainly don't have the same level of industry appeal that they did a decade ago. The absence of automakers like Mercedes-Benz, BMW, and Land Rover at this year's LA show speaks to that. But when it comes to new vehicle debuts, events like the LA Auto Show still hold a great degree of credibility in the car world. This year's event is a testament to that, with a number of vehicles making their debut at the Los Angeles Convention Center. The LA Gathering, which continues to draw media from around the world, also included the announcement of the nine finalists for the 2023 North American Car Truck and Utility Vehicle of the Year, also known as NACTOR. The finalists include the Acura Integra, Genesis G80 EV, and Nissan Z in the car segment, the Chevrolet Silverado ZR2, Ford F-150 Lightning, and Lordstown Endurance in the truck segment, and the Cadillac Lyric, Genesis GV60, and Kia EV6 in the utility segment. To dive a little deeper into the NACTOR finalists, and the LA show overall. To the point spoke the NACTOR juror and esteemed automotive journalist, Nicole Wakelin, to unpack the event and some of the other takeaways from the show. Hi, Nicole, thank you for joining us on To The Point. Thank you for having me, I'm excited to be here. Great, so Nicole, let's dig in. Let's talk about this year's nine NACTOR finalists. Uh, okay. Uh, pretty stacked with electric vehicles, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of a big deal. So we've had, you know, electric vehicles, people still think of them as sort of they're, they're kind of the new, you know, the new technology and not everyone's super comfortable with them. But we have a lot of EVs. In fact, for the utility vehicle of the year, all three are EVs, which is the first time that's ever happened. Well, what do you think that says about sort of this push for the wider adoption of EVs? I think, you know, it shows that the automakers are, coming out with enough vehicles that it's no longer sort of something that just a few people can have. There's no longer just one or two choices that are often well, well above most people's budgets. Now they're coming down and there's a lot of variety. There's a lot of good options and there's a lot of options that sort of the average consumer can consider. I think it's, it makes it something more accessible for people. We still have to overcome some infrastructure issues, but in terms of the vehicles, they're finally rolling out in a way that I think people are going to really enjoy them. Um, do you think we still are dealing with, with the cost factor, though, when it comes to EVs? I think to a point. I mean, there was a time when EVs were really, truly just seen as luxury vehicles, and that was it. If you're looking for a luxury vehicle, or they were super, super low-range vehicles, it still kind of had a highish price tag. Now you're getting you're getting things that are more the middle of the mix. Are there super affordable options that have longer ranges? That's still kind of sort of rolling out, but they are coming down in price and they are becoming something that aren't so much like, oh gosh, no way I can never afford that. They are getting a little bit less expensive and more accessible. You know, I, I'm looking at this list and, 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 I'm, and I'm thinking, wow, are we fastly approaching the point 
where we won't see any ICE vehicles on this list? I don't know if we're going to see no ICE vehicles on this list. I kind of think what we're looking at here is what we're going to see to some degree or another for the next few years, because there's still some, there are still ICE vehicles out there and there are still good ICE vehicles out there. So I don't think I wouldn't cross them off the list just yet, but I do think that the balance is, I'd be surprised if we ever saw another list that didn't have a handful of EVs on it. Do you think when, when it comes to, to EVs, um, because I mean, all the EVs are all the buzz we're, and we're all the buzz at the show. Um, is there something that that the automakers might be missing when it comes to connecting EVs to consumers? I don't know that I think the thing that they're missing is is explaining to people really how easy it can be to live with an EV that varies a lot from region to region, like in California. There's a plentiful number of places where you can charge. If you come to the East Coast, especially in the Northeast, not so much. But I think uh, getting people to realize that most EVs really do cover what you drive in a typical day. And all you need to charge is when you get home from your work or your day out or whatever. You don't have to worry about finding a charging station every single place you go during a typical day. And it's really more road trips where you have to more carefully plan where you're going to stop and charge. I think they need to do a better job of showing people that you don't have to panic about finding a charging station. It's easier than you think. Once you have something installed at your house, you can pretty much charge at your home 90% of the time. You know, that, that's, that's been a topic of discussion, in all honesty, for quite some time. Why do you think that the OEMs are having a, a challenge sort of dealing with that particular issue? You know, there's so much for them to sort of educate the average consumer about when it comes to EVs, that they exist, how they work, um, how they drive, the, the, the maintenance that is or is not required, the complexities. There's so much for them to cover. I think they're trying to hit a lot of different points at once and just getting people to realize they're out there and that it's not just two or three vehicles, but, you know, dozens that you can choose from now. That's a big step to getting people to realize that they're available and that maybe they should consider them. And, you know, once you see that they're out there and start considering now, maybe it's time to explain a little bit more. It's not so hard to charge them. I think it's a multi-step process. They had to come at it from a lot of angles. This is just the most current angle that I think needs a little bit more attention. Hmm. So, so of the nine, I'm going to, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit deeper as it relates to <laughs> unearthing some, some personal data on, uh -oh. <laughs> on the Mac toy, on the finalist. What okay. was there one, one particular vehicle that was your, or that is your favorite in the nine? And if so, you know, why? I think there's a, this is a good selection. Like sometimes it's a jury, you know, there's, there's a lot of us voting on this and you get things you're like, well, I wouldn't have put that one, but I feel like everything that's here is really good. Um, for the trucks, I mean that the F-150 Lightning is a really compelling truck to me as a juror because it sort of, I think made people say, okay, I can afford a truck because there's several trims, but they're not all outrageous. Like you can afford the F-150 Lightning and it does so much. And I think it gets sort of truck people where people had talked for a long time about, you know, oh, truck guys are never going to go for this EV stuff. Well, yeah, they are because the F-150 Lightning is doing really well. I like that one because I think it's just a really strong example, not just of a good vehicle, but a good truck that promotes acceptance of EVs. So the F-150 Lightning is one of my favorite vehicles on this list. It has been even before the list got this final. I was a big fan of that vehicle. Uh, it's a great vehicle. Um, I, I got to be honest, I was a little surprised 
um, that the Nissan Z made the list. Not that it's not worthy of making a list. I've had a chance to spend some time with the Nissan Z. But it, it, I, I think um, when you look at the the other vehicles on the list, it just kind of struck me as a little odd. But does it say that there is still this room for an enthusiast vehicle in moving forward towards this new era that we're looking at? I think that's exactly what it says. You know, the Z has such a history of being an enthusiast's car. Um, and when they did this one, I think some people sort of not wrote it off, but sort of looked at it like, well, you know, it's just another Z and that kind of car is, you know, going the way of the Dodo, it's going to be gone. Uh, I think the Z is a really good example of what it is, you know, for that sporty enthusiast car, it does a really good job of it. So although it, you might look and think, well, what is this doing here? It does a great job of what it does. And I think that's why it earned a spot on the list. You know, um, it's interesting to see how Genesis has sort of positioned itself and, it's what nominated for um, two spots here on the list. What what is sort of the secret sauce, if you will, for Genesis success? I kind of think their secret sauce is a little bit which made what made Hyundai and makes that such a successful brand. Genesis offers a really solid vehicle. They're beautiful. They look and feel like luxury cars. They drive nicely, but they, they're a luxury price, but they still pack a huge number of features in at every level. Whatever, it's sort of like if you're getting a Genesis and you compare it to one of the other luxury brands, the other brand's version that has comparable features is going to be five or ten or fifteen thousand dollars more than the Genesis is. The Genesis is like this value luxury brand that still kind of flies under the radar. A lot of people don't know what it is, or people think it's still part of Hyundai because there was the Hyundai Genesis, which was a vehicle. When they spun off the brand and just made Genesis its own little luxury branch. A lot of people still don't know what it is. I get that when I drive them. They're kind of like, what is that car? What is that thing? And they love how it looks, but like the pricing, they are such a value proposition for a luxury car. It's hard to resist. Let's talk about the show itself. What impressed you at the show this year's LA show? Um, well, funny you say Genesis. It technically wasn't at the show. It was like right before the show, I guess, like the night before. They had this Genesis X concept which is a hardtop convertible, they will never make it. It's not going to ever come to fruition. But man, did it look good. It was a really great example of like design and, and trying to take something in a new direction. I loved how that looked. Yeah, it was actually on the show. I had a chance chance to take a look at it. Um, so you don't, you don't think they'll venture into that space of a convertible? I mean, and not that they won't venture into convertible, but, you know, when they do these concepts, they always look amazing. You know, they have sort of out there styling and stuff you haven't seen before and even material choices inside the cars that maybe you think, well, that was a neat way to do that. And I think as much as it would be cool to see exactly those concepts come, they aren't often realistic when it comes time to making very, very many of them on an assembly line. You know, the, the cost and, and making sure you're adhering to the safety regulations and that they'll survive crash testing the way they should. I don't think that it wouldn't be that they wouldn't consider a hard top convertible, but I think it would look kind of sort of like this, but not really like the concept. <laughs> are, the, are the hard top convertibles, are those just that concept? Is it, is it feasible moving forward as we look at this transformation? Well, I mean, I have funny, I have one in my driveway. I have the Miata um, hardtop that happens to be the car I'm driving this week and people love it. So I think 
it's something that can still happen. I don't think it's not realistic. I think, you know, making things into an EV requires some changes. There's design changes. They don't look quite the way they did before, but it doesn't mean that you can't have some of the kinds of vehicles you had that had, you know, traditional gas engines in them. It just requires little design changes and, you know, a little bit of engineering. And I think that you could still have soft top convertibles and hard top convertibles. I don't see why not. They're fun. If you live someplace where you can use them a decent number of months out of the year, not like where I am, where it's freezing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's let's talk about some of the other vehicles that were um, on display or debuted. The new Toyota Prius. What's your what's your take on that? Okay, it sounds like I'm insulting the old Prius, and I am because this one actually looks good. Like the old one was not an attractive car. <laughs> uh, the new one, I think the general sense was when we first all saw it, we also did that. Wait, that's the Prius. It looks really good. <laughs> It does. It really does. Yeah, it does look good. Uh, anything else um, catch your eye at the show? Um, yeah, you know, it, and these are, they're bringing back the Fiat 500e to the U.S. They're saying early 2024. They didn't have the one, the actual, you know, American market spec there, but they did have three sort of one-off uh, specialty vehicles. There was one that was like a Giorgio Armani, one that was from Cartel, and one that was like a Bulgari. Bulgari, I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and they, um, these are sort of like art cars kind of, but they're going to be auctioned off. They're really beautiful. And it was a nice way to say like, Hey, just so you know, the 500 E is coming back. And I know Fiat isn't this huge brand in the U S it's much bigger in other countries, but the 500 E was a really great car. I think people were sort of crying when it left and to hear that it's coming back. I think that's really exciting. Yeah. It does seem like the timing is, is right now for that, for that vehicle in the U S market. Absolutely. And I think people, you know, as people start to accept EVs, you know, maybe it was too early when it was here before now, let's bring it back and see what happens. So I think there's um, a lot of potential for that one. I also, another EV, the Hyundai Ioniq 6, they also showed that off at the show. Um, and that is another one where it's a beautiful car. I got a chance to drive that at the World Car Awards. I test drive. I can't say anything about how it drove, <laughs> which is killing me. <laughs> Come on, tell me. Tell I me. Can't, tell me I can't. No, I can't. Honey would be so angry with me. Um, but we did get a good look at it, and it you know, kind of takes the design that you saw on the Ionic 5 and, and sort of moves forward with that. They have that sort of pixelated design that they were using on everything. It's like it's on the steering wheel, and it's in the headlights, and it's in the taillights. That continues on through this. Uh, so it, it it looks fantastic. Um, and I think, you know, with how well the Ionic 5 was received, hopefully the Ionic 6 gets the same kind of reception. Hmm. You know, when you consider when you consider the the auto show, one of the things just just the idea of the auto show and the history of the auto show. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting at the L.A. show is that we are starting to see more women in media represented at the show. Um, of course, it's not it's not nearly uh, close to being representative of what women represent as car buyers. But there is a, there is a shift. Do you sense that? I think I think there is. I think, you know, over the years, there's been a shift to understanding that women aren't just looking for, you know, there's no one kind of woman, like there's no one kind of man. Women aren't just looking to have, you know, a car that can hold the kids and be a grocery getter, that women are really looking at vehicles for themselves, for their families. Um, and they're involved in that buying decision. So treating them just like a human buying a car instead of treating them like something different because they're women, um, I think it's nice to see that happening in the industry. 
Do you think that's where automakers have missed the mark and sort of not not rep- realizing that there is a diverse scope of women car buyers and sort of just focusing on one angle when it comes to appealing to them? I think so. I think they have in the past, but I would really say they're they're definitely moving in a direction where they're acknowledging that the importance of women as buyers in the market um, and the voice they have in deciding, of course, their own cars, but also what cars their family is driving. Um, you know, there was an ad. I love this one. Nissan had this ad. It was for the new Nissan, and there's an actress in it, Brie Larson, who people yes. probably recognize. It was a fantastic ad because it sort of showed the history of Nissan vehicles mix the old ones with some of the new ones, but she was in it and dressed in all these different eras. Like she's from the sixties and seventies and they had her driving the cars. And it's not just like, she's just driving to the grocery store again. She's driving it off road and she's driving a Z and clearly having fun with it and out with her friends. And it sort of, it sort of shows that, you know, women are a diverse group and vehicles can appeal to all women. And that it's not just about, you know, just about the one person who is the one type of woman who is like a homemaker. The days of doing that are going away where that's the only thing the industry is appealing to. And I really, I loved that Nissan ad because it just showed you like, yeah, women can do anything. Any of the thing you think a guy's doing with a car, women can do the same thing. That was fantastic. Are there some other automakers that you think are doing a good job yeah, when it comes to that? Yeah. You know, I think that, um, Jeep does a good job with it because there's a whole Jeep girl vibe out there where women drive their Jeeps and it's their own, their Wranglers especially, and it's sort of their own thing. Um, they've done a good job of appealing to that sort of rugged kind of lifestyle and, and you know, how it's not just the boys that are driving Jeeps. And I think Infinity did a good job. And I'm going to forget, I want to say it was a QX60. Forgive me if I'm picking the <laughs> wrong car. But they just did an ad where they were sort of appealing to the mom, but sort of a professional mom not just like showing how their car, it's like, it's not, it'll get your kids where they need to be if you're a mom with kids, but it also is great for you going out with your friends and also is great for just being a busy professional woman, which is what so many people, you're balancing your life like that, especially with the stay at home, uh, the work at home where you don't have to go into an office, your life, personal life and your work life are integrated in a way that they never were before. And I think the infinity ads that they've been running do that. Wow. Great, great insight. Um, so in closing, Nicole, if there was one big takeaway that that you would take away from <laughs> from the L.A. Auto Show uh, this year's show, what would it be? One big takeaway. I think the takeaway, well, it's sort of twofold. One, that auto shows still have a place. They still are a way to highlight what automakers are showing and doing, maybe in a different way than they were before the pandemic, but they still show what what the industry is up to. And I think just looking at the kinds of cars from tiny little Fiat EVs to these luxurious, you know, examples that Genesis showed and, you know, everything in between, that there still is a lot of variety out there and you can get whatever you want, whether it's a little sporty Nissan Z with a gas engine or a fancy, you know, Cadillac Lyric that's an electric. You can get pretty much anything and there's still a huge range and variety of vehicles out there that are relevant for uh, car shoppers. Well, great insight, Nicole. Thank you for joining us on To The Point. Thank you. Now, back to the noise.